In this episode, we're talking all about can-do statements. I'm going to give you some suggestions and tips along the way to look at the can-do statements that you have or that you're writing to make sure that they are indeed communicative and showing what students can actually do in the language and not just tell you what they know about the language. So let's jump in. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the World Language Classroom Podcast. I am Joshua Cabral, and I'm incredibly grateful to have you here today as every week as you listen to these podcast episodes. It just shows that you're such a dedicated educator, that you listen to what teachers are saying and doing and take an opportunity to reflect on what's happening in your classroom. And your students are just incredibly lucky and fortunate to have you as their teacher. So before we jump into our topic today of writing can-do statements and making sure that they are truly communicative, I want to make sure that you look down at your phone, whatever app you're on, make sure that you are following the World Language Classroom podcast so that you get each episode as they come out every Monday. And if you could just take a second to rate and review on whichever app you're using, that would be helpful as well so that it can get out to other teachers um, who are looking for ways to sort of level up what's happening in their classroom. So thanks so much for doing that. If you've been following me on social media lately, uh, you may have seen that the The world is opening up a little more in socially distanced ways for the most part and being really cautious about this COVID world that we're living in, but it is opening up just the same, and I've had the opportunity to be working uh, sort of live again with teachers, which has been so wonderful. Uh, A couple, most conferences have continued to be somewhat virtual, but I've had an opportunity to present workshops in person, which has been great, and also been back in a couple of schools. Uh, I've appreciated the opportunity to work remotely uh, with schools all over the country over the last year and a half, but now that we are able to get back in person, that has been really, really wonderful, and I'm appreciating that. So shout out to all those teachers that I've been able to work with in person and virtually, if you're listening. And just a reminder to those of you listening that uh, I do, I I am a full-time teacher. I've been full-time in the classroom teaching French and Spanish for the last 25 years. Yes, this is year 25 for me. And in addition to that, I love working with teachers and diving into all things about language and culture teaching. And I do that in school. So if that's of interest to you, check out my blog, wlclassroom.com. And you, if you click on school workshops, you can get information on how we can possibly 
work together uh, wherever you are in the world, in the country. We can find a way to make that work either in person or remotely. So just take a look at that, wlclassroom.com, and just click on classroom uh, school workshops. Um, and also you can check out some of the conference stuff that's going on as well or virtual workshops. But anyway, you'll find all the information there. But reach out to me with any questions as well. So now let's jump into this conversation about can-do statements. Now, I think a lot of teachers are using can-do statements, which is wonderful. So I just want to make sure we really understand what they are and then also give a couple of tips on making sure that they're not just saying I can do something as the goal, but actually doing it in a communicative way. So let's kind of unpack this idea of the can-do statements. So we have clearly made some major strides toward language proficiency in recent years. So classroom instruction and activities and tasks have all become much more communicative in nature. You know, essentially saying like students are able to do something with the language and not just tell you about the language. And along with that, assessment has moved much more towards what students can do with the language rather than simply saying that they can conjugate a verb or say what noun gender it is or what measure word it is or what the radical is or something like that. So assessment has much more moved towards this idea of what can you actually do with the language and not just tell me about the language. So one of the most important and effective tools available in this whole shift toward proficiency has been the publication and use of the necessful, actful, can-do statements. So we normally just refer to these as can-do statements. And so this was sort of a publication put out there by Actful uh, earlier on that is showing at each proficiency level what students can do. So simply by using the phrase, I can, has put the focus on what students are able to accomplish in the language and move beyond just listing vocabulary or manipulating grammar structures and conjugating verb forms in different tenses or something like that. Because none of the can-do statements are, I can conjugate a verb, I can write uh, the four forms of an adjective, I can tell you the three or four or five noun cases that might exist in a language. It's with that, what can I do in the language? So you start with having to be able to use those, but then what are you actually going to use them to accomplish? And now that was sort of the original attempt with the can-do statements, which it really made this idea of what can you do with the language? But then it is also now commonly understood that language and culture are inextricably connected. You cannot separate language from culture because every language is used within a culture and every culture involves communication in at least one language. So these two concepts of language and culture cannot exist in isolation, but rather they influence each other and they depend on each other. So the can-do statements that were originally published were focused on authentic communication and were a very useful guide for language teachers to make sure that students were using the language in communicative contexts. But then we have the intercultural can-do statements, which is sort of the can-do statements, the 2.0 version, as I like to think of it. 
where we're now involving culture much more than just the focus on the linguistic side of acquisition. So the intercultural can-do statements were published a few years after the original can-do statements. So in addition to the goal of language proficiency, they now include competencies for investigating and engaging in various cultures where the language is used. So the intercultural can-do statements continue to have an initial and I would say even primary focus on language proficiency. So they do have the modes, the interpersonal, the interpretive, and the presentational, the modes. So within the interpretive, you have reading and listening. And within presentational, you have speaking and uh, also writing. And then interpersonal is the interpersonal speaking. So those are definitely still in there, the modes. But they now include goals for investigating and interacting with culture. And they actually uh, use words like engage, language used to sort of discover things about the culture and the language you need to engage with the culture. So it's actually implementing all of those modes, uh, but within a cultural context. So that's sort of what the intercultural can-do statements are. So again, they still have that primary focus on the linguistic side of acquisition, but also now embedding culture into it. Just for the purposes of uh, our the the tips that I want to give you about can-do statements, we're gonna uh, keep in keep the idea that culture would be embedded in these can-do statements, but we're gonna look at the sort of linguistic side and when it comes to the modes, and specifically we're gonna look at interpersonal uh, communication and the idea of writing these can-do statements. And I'm gonna put a link in the show notes to the. Uh, the actful can-do statements, the intercultural can-do statements, so that you can use them, see them on your own, and you don't have to go hunting down for it. You'll find that right in the show notes. So now when we look at these can-do statements, the reality is that a one-size-fits-all approach is often challenging, particularly when a novice mid, say a novice mid, can be six years old or 30 years old because the can-do statements are not written for any particular age or developmental level or any particular language or culture. So they really don't fit so much into a one-size-fits-all. So for this reason, many teachers have developed either classroom, like year-long, or unit-based can-do statements that are developmentally appropriate to the age of their students. You know, there are certain things like uh, if there's a can-do statement about reserving a hotel room or a car, you're really not going to be using that with with a seventh grader, right? So... Teachers are creating can-do statements that are specific to the units that they're doing, but using the idea of the can-do statements. So as we create these individualized can-do statements, it's important to keep in mind our communication and proficiency goals. Because as you're writing them, you want to make sure that what students are doing is at their proficiency level. So I can compare two things would require intermediate low to intermediate mid proficiency level. If you're with a novice high class, it's I can tell you about my family and what they like to do. Because that would require one sentence, and probably chunk together language. So as you're writing your individual can-do statements, just keep it 
at the proficiency level of the students in your class and use the published can-do statements from Actful as sort of a guide and some ideas and the words that are used to sort of elicit output that would be at a particular proficiency level. So that output text type, I always come back to that, so important to keep in mind. And it's easy to assume that simply putting I can in front of a prompt will make it communicative when, in fact, it actually does not just make it communicative because I can tell you the forms of a verb is not at all communicative. It's just telling you about the language. So listen to these I can statements and determine if they are communicative and based on proficiency, what students can do with the language and not just know about the language, or if they really are just lacking in a communicative focus. So listen to these. Is this communicative based on proficiency or not? I can count to 100. I can say the days of the week. I can say the date. I can say I like and I don't like. I can say sentences in the present tense. I can say sentences in the past tense. I can say sentences in the future tense. Now, are any of those, those all have I can on the front of them, and they are all based on a proficiency level of what students can do, whether they're novice, high, intermediate, mid, and they have I can on the front. So does that makes it an I can statement, but does it make it a communicative I can statement that's going to push students toward growing in proficiency, meaning what they can do with the language. And as you're probably saying, no, absolutely, those are not communicative. So they're a good starting point, but they can be more communicative by providing context. So essentially, they should provide an opportunity for students to do something with the language uh, that they can produce. So these sentences demonstrate what a students know about the language. I can count, I can say the days of the week, things like that. These sentences demonstrate what a student knows about the language, but there's the starting point. But a change in the prompt toward more communication will allow students to show what they can do with the language. So here's some ideas and ways of looking about it using those very examples I just used. So you can have, I can count to 100, or... I can tell you my phone number, my age, and my address, which would use the numbers 1 to 100. And also, I like to have students do an alphanumeric password where they have to actually combine letters and numbers and maybe even some special characters like punctuation because saying a password is actually something they may have to do and they actually enjoy uh, sort of creating them and then we, we we write them out and try to figure out was it an actual word they were trying to do so having students doing something like that is actually a, a real context for saying letters and numbers and also punctuation because you don't actually ever say punctuation out loud unless of course you're doing a voice text and you say are you coming to dinner question mark but other than that we're not usually using those words, but this is an opportunity to actually use them to make sure that they know them. So the next one, I can say the days of the week. So instead of that, I can tell you what days I have a class, a lesson, sports practice, or rehearsal, right? Because those are going to use the days of the week. I can say the date. So we can have, I can say the date, okay? Or 
I can tell you my birthday and the birthdays of my friends or the date of an upcoming or past event. So they're still saying the date, but you're putting it in a communicative context. So if, you're, if your can-do statement is in context, it's really focused on what students can do with the language. So I can say I like and I don't like. Instead of that, I can tell you what activities, food, movies, books, art, sports that I like or don't like, which would essentially be the same as I can say I like and I don't like, but putting it into a communicative context. I can say sentences in the present tense. That's very much focused on knowing about the language and being able to talk about the details of the language. So instead of that, take out present tense altogether and say, I can tell you what I typically do during the day or on the weekend and what I am doing right now. So the context is what puts it in the present tense without having to say in the present tense. I can say sentences in the past tense, same deal. So instead of that, say, I can tell you what I did yesterday, last week, last year, or earlier today. So see, it's the context that puts it in the past rather than saying I can speak in the past tense. Same thing for future tense. I can say sentences in the future tense more communicatively. I can tell you what I'm going to do tomorrow, next week, next year, later today. Because if you're just simply saying I can say sentences in a tense, that is not very communicative. But if you put it in a context, it makes sure that you are taking it out of this realm of just knowing about the language and actually being able to use that maybe grammar concept or vocabulary to communicate in the language. So these examples that I just gave show that I can say, using the word say, does not lend itself to conversation and communication, whereas I can tell invites more detail, interaction, and personalization of the language. So I can say is a good starting point when working towards proficiency, but be sure to add in I can statements that give students an opportunity to use the language in communicative context as well. So these are the types of tasks and prompts that are going to lead to in increased proficiency, and also lend itself to being able to do interpersonal tasks and activities in the classroom because you're actually engaging with more details and things that you can talk about. So in the show notes, uh, you will see a blog post on writing can-do statements uh, from my blog, as well as the actful intercultural can-do statements. There'll be a link to those so you don't have to go hunting them down. So as we're finishing up here, uh, just Take a second, look at your can-do statements. Um, If you can change the word say to tell or some other word that invites more than just talking about the language, that would be really helpful. Uh, Listen back to some of the examples I gave on that. In the show notes, you will see a blog post uh, from my blog about writing can-do statements that will help you digest this a little more, as well as a link to the actful uh, intercultural can-do statements. So you don't have to go searching for those and you can use those as a guide as well. Thank you so much as always for spending this time with me. Uh, again, I would welcome the opportunity to work with you and the teachers in your school. So head on over to woclassroom.com and click on school workshops or even virtual workshops and we can find a way to collaborate and work together to go even deeper Um, into these topics that are specifically useful for you and the teachers in your school or district. I will talk to you all again real soon. Bye for now.
You've been listening to the World Language Classroom Podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at WL Classroom. You can also see over 250 blog posts about language teaching at, you guessed it, wlclassroom.com.